When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is People Every Day. Coming up, a heartfelt discussion with Ben Platt, Julianne Moore, Amy Adams, and more from the powerful new movie musical, Dear Evan Hansen. Plus, supermodel Linda Evangelista says she's now disfigured. The accuser of Nicki Minaj's husband, Kenneth Petty, speaks out. And Harry and Meghan pop into NYC. It's September 23rd. Hi there. This is People Every Day, and I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein. It is Thursday, and I don't know about y'all, but this week has been a long one. It's like those commercials. You want to get away? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> well, Harry and Megan got out of town this week. The California couple is currently in New York City, where they had a visit to One World Observatory at World Trade Center, and they were joined by Mayor Bill de Blasio and his family. They're in town to attend Saturday's Global Citizen Live event to help promote global vaccine activity hoping to end the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. In other news, we are learning a whole lot more about Nicki Minaj's husband, Kenneth Petty's accuser, and what she says happened to her then and what has been ongoing since. Now, just a trigger warning for anyone who could be affected by this. We are about to discuss details of sexual assault. So his accuser, Jennifer Huff, who says he raped her when they were both 16, is speaking out about continued harassment she claims she's faced from both him and and Minaj. She went on The Real and recounted her experience, saying Petty accosted her on the way to school and raped her at knife point when they were both 16 years ago. Petty pled guilty to attempted rape and served time in jail for that crime. But Huff says in recent years, he and Minaj have been trying to intimidate her to recant her story. I've been harassed by people calling family members that I haven't even spoken to or seen in quite a while offering money, um, phone calls from different people in regards to this supposed letter that I written. People approaching my daughter. People would approached her in a club and asked her about Kenneth Petty and she wasn't even born at the time that this happened. So yeah, it's been, it's been pretty awful. As for why she's opening up now, she said, I'm tired of being afraid. The only way not to be afraid is to continue to speak up. Well, all right, you guys, this next story is making a lot of headlines. Supermodel Linda Evangelista is opening up about why she hasn't been in the public eye for a while now, saying that she's been, quote, brutally disfigured following a cool sculpting procedure she had five years ago. Joining me now to discuss this story is People.com managing editor Charlotte Triggs. Hey, Charlotte. Hey, Janine. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? 
I am good. This story, I'm so shocked by this. It seems like, honestly, every woman's nightmare, you know, that you'd go in for something that seems routine and something would go wrong, like hideously wrong. It's awful, especially because someone like her is so scrutinized. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, when I saw the headline, I immediately clicked on it because I, I, I wanted to know what had happened. She took to Instagram yesterday to share her story, and it's pretty jaw-dropping. So just l- let's let people in on what she said. She said that she had this cool sculpting procedure five years ago, and that's basically, it's like a liposuction alternative. It um, freezes away fat cells, and people use it for a variety of different area body areas. You can use it like on the buttocks. You can use it like on your hips, belly, you know, the bra area. Some people would put, do it on their chin. So it's unclear. They have not commented on where exactly she had it, but she said that it left her, you know, permanently deformed and that it actually, in her case, rather than decreasing the fat cells, it increased the fat cells and that she's had to have two corrective procedures unsuccessfully and that she, in her own words, is left quote unquote unrecognizable and that that's made her so depressed that she doesn't like really leave the house and she's become reclusive. Oh no. Yeah. It's terrible. And of course she said that like, you might wonder why people like Cindy Crawford and Helena Christensen and Naomi Campbell, all of the people that she was like part of the supermodels of the nineties crew, all of those people are still working and I'm not Well, it's because somebody basically destroyed my looks and my livelihood. So, Charlotte, take me into who Linda Evangelista was. Like, she was a a moment. She was a mood. She was a whole uh, situation, right? Absolutely. I mean, she was a big freaking deal. And it's like the supermodels were a big freaking deal in the like late 80s, early 90s. So it was Linda Evangelista, um, Naomi Campbell, Cindy Crawford. So this was like the Kindles and the GGs and the uh, of today. Totally. And by the way, before them, they didn't really call people supermodels. They called these guys supermodels because they were everywhere. They were in every ad campaign on every mm. runway. They were on the cover of Vogue all the time. There was like nobody else. You know what I mean? By the way, back then, there were no influencers to compete with. So the brands went straight to these people and they were just booked consistently and consistently. She once famously said that she didn't get out of bed for less than $10,000 a day because the jobs that she was booking were worth far more than that. You know what I mean? She was joking, making a little quip. It did not land well at the time and people were horrified and thought that that was like very (laughs) callous. Maybe nowadays that doesn't sound so callous, but back then that was a big deal and she, you know, expressed that she didn't mean it to sound so awful. But, you know, that's just to say the earning potential that she had and would have continued to have is incredibly huge. Oh, this is so sad. And we know, Charlotte, that in Hollywood and any career in the public eye, there's so much pressure to look a certain way, right? It, it can be really insurmountable. And as Linda mentioned in her post, the results of this surgery, quote, sent me into a cycle of deep depression, profound sadness, and the lowest depths of self-loathing. Just awful. Linda also said that she filed a lawsuit and people actually obtained court documents. So what do we know about the filing. Yeah. So she's going after the parent company, which is um, of, of cool sculpting, which is called Zeltique mm. for damages, basically for lost income. And people of her generation, they are still working and there is lots of work to be had in that industry. Oh, Charlotte. Well, thank you for breaking this one down for me. Thanks, Janine. And now, guys, it's time to dig into something I've been really excited to talk about all this week, and that's the new film adaptation of the Tony Award-winning Broadway musical, 
Dear Evan Hansen. If you don't know the premise, Dear Evan Hansen is about a teenage boy with crippling depression and anxiety who finds himself while losing himself in a huge lie. It's a character expertly played and sung by Ben Platt. It debuted on Broadway six years ago to rapturous applause and continued fanfare, and it made Platt a bona fide star. But most importantly, it put the spotlight on the discussion of mental health, adolescence, and social media like no show had done before. Now, Dear Evan Hansen has been brought to the big screen, opening in theaters tomorrow and the other night as part of People's Let's Talk About It mental health campaign. I had the honor of attending a private screening in LA in partnership with the Child Mind Institute and Your Mom Cares organization. And afterwards, I got to moderate a panel with the film's director, Stephen Spassky, the writer, Stephen Levinson, the now Grammy, Emmy, and Tony Award-winning star, Ben Platt, along with his co-stars, Julianne Moore, Amy Adams, Danny Pino, Amanda Stenberg, and Nick Dodani. So now I am going to take you all inside our powerful discussion, starting with a question I had for Ben. I want to take this to Ben and just ask about what Evan means to you. And and when you look back on, on stepping into this portrayal, both on stage and now, what has changed and, and, and what does it still mean to you to bring this to life? Well, beautiful question. Evan means really the world to me, so much to me. I've gotten the privilege of spending a lot of time with him and in his head and creating him for, for a long time. And, you know, I saw firsthand when we did the musical, the ways that other people connect to Evan and see themselves in him and the ways that Evan's journey and the things that Evan goes through and the mistakes that he makes can change people's lives and really make people forgive themselves and, and heal internally. And I think to me personally, you know, I, much like Evan, I'm a very... Uh, non-confrontational and somewhat fearful person, very anxious person. And I often shy away from uncomfortable, painful, difficult uh, interactions, conversations, subject matters because of that fear and because of that non-confrontational sort of spirit and sometimes miss deeper connection and, and, and meaning because of that. And I think seeing the really difficult uh, adversity that Evan has to face because he avoids those things and because he is so unable to break through that kind of shell, it's really encouraged me over the years and even more so now having done the film to push myself off of that cliff as many times as I can. And, and then on top of that, I think in this age of, you know, kind of cancel culture and outrage, there's, there's a real kind of finite feeling to, to, to criticism. And I feel like for me watching someone like Evan make a mistake, do something wrong and get to heal and learn to forgive himself and move forward, even if not in this big, fancy, everything is hunky-dory way. To me, that's hugely inspiring. And it reminds me that there is so much room to give people grace and understand where people are coming from and to make room for nuance and gray area and just humanity and whenever possible. So I, I feel like being him has been a real gift. Next up, Amy Adams gets emotional discussing her role in Dear Evan Hansen. Stick around. everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam.
and taking you back inside the panel I moderated with the cast of Dear Evan Hansen. Take a listen to what Julianne Moore, Amy Adams, and Dr. Harold Koplowitz from the Child Mind Institute had to say, along with others. I want to go to the wonderful women down there. <laughs> Let's talk uh, motherhood a little bit. And I'm, I'm going to throw this to Julianne, um, your portrayal of a mother. Um, I'm just wondering what you hope this does for other moms who are struggling uh, with those teenagers. I just felt like uh, you were caught between a rock and a hard place and just trying to figure out, uh, do I ask? Do I ask too much? Do I push? Do I encourage? Or is that too much? It was just so hard. Um, of a balance. So I'm just wondering, how has it affected you and, and your, and your whatever you do with your kids? And then also, what do you hope that moms can get from it? I guess, you know, I think what you always hope when you do something is that people see themselves, that they see, they see something that, that represents their experience as a human being, or in, in this case, as a parent. And, and there, it is that dangerous, um, dangerous time where your child is starting to differentiate and you need to give them the space to move away, but then you have to be nearby enough in case they need anything. And it's, and, and it's true, like how they are going to, they will, they are moody. They will, you know, they, if, sometimes you say the wrong thing and they go out the door and that's it, you know, and that's what Heidi's dealing with. And uh, our director, Stephen Chbosky, was really, it was, it was a wonderful direction. He said, remember, Heidi is always aware of what her child is going through. She never forgets that when he's going to school, that, you know, we're going back to school, all her cheerfulness is really about, oh, please, God, please, God, you know, let him get through this year. Let it be better than last year. You know, so that awareness, as, as well as trying to kind of be like just a regular mom, you know, that's happening all the time. And I think there are so many parents who are trying to walk that line. I was really moved by the picture we get of how difficult it was to live with Connor. And I think that most movies don't do that. They mourn him, they grieve for him, but on a daily basis, living with him in the house was difficult. His sister says so, his father says so, his, his mother, as much as she misses him, recognizes it. And so that when a child really has a mental health disorder, the whole family is struggling. And Amy, uh, just how you channeled that, that kind of like hiding your grief and, and just trying to put on that, that face. And it just made me wonder, like, do you think she would have been better off if the lie just continued like that it almost felt like that but wh what do you think well it's a question I ask myself when playing her if she knew but she needed sorry it makes me so sad I'm sorry she needed the Connor that Evan saw and Evan did too in a way and so I, I just always kind of wondered and when you're playing it um, if you go back and watch it I there are moments I can kind of feel that she wants to ask more but she knows better because she's not she's not ready to grieve yet and Evan uh, provides a way for her to sort of postpone the, sorry, it kills me, to postpone the inevitable. Um, she's just not ready. And that's another way of grieving, you know? And I think, uh, I think that's something that's not shown often. This is my first time talking about it publicly, so it's like, oh, but basically, this is what I looked like on set all the time. So Ben only knows me as like weepy Amy, so. That was the recent panel discussion I moderated with the filmmakers and cast of Dear Evan Hansen, along with the Child Mind Institute's Dr. Harold Koplowitz. For more on this, head over to People.com and watch the full panel there as well. And also, Dear Evan Hansen opens in theaters tomorrow. Ooh, and can't forget, something to make you smile. 
a best friend duo from Duncan Falls, Ohio, is taking the country by storm as they set out to visit every national park they can step foot on. 40-year-old Brad Ryan and his 91-year-old grandmother, Joy Ryan, first began their adventure six years ago at Great Smoky Mountains National Park after she said she'd never seen a mountain in her life. Well, that has changed. The pair has traveled over 41,000 miles and have visited 61 out of the 63 national parks in the United States on a mission called Grandma Joy's Road Trip. Listen to their fun banter during an excursion in Alaska as Grandma Joy paddleboarded with her brand new set of knees. I think we're going to go in circles. (laughs) (laughs) This is the big where the blind leading the blind. All I want to know is 91? How? How, Sway? (laughs) I will talk to you all tomorrow.